Hey, folks, I'm Tom. KJ here. You know the drill. We are back to promote the Dunlap Champions Club. They've been a longtime sponsor of Front Row Knowles, and uh, we appreciate that. Uh, And you will appreciate the Champions Club if you have not been there. We've been saying this for a couple of years now, basically since it opened. You need to at least schedule a tour. The season's here. Go in, sample it, find out what you're missing. It is a great place to watch a ball game. Florida State uh, is scheduled for a 5 o'clock kick for their first home game, and I know there may even be some more. So if you want to stay out of the heat, you got that opportunity, as well as food and drink, the ability to get up and move around. It's a great place to watch a contest. It's also a great place to watch other contests because they got lots of TVs. And don't tell anybody I said that because really we want you sitting in the seats watching the FSU game. But uh, you can check on the other games too. For more information, you can call 850-644-1830 to buy tickets or schedule a tour. And now, on with the show. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. Tom and KJ back again. Keith, good to see you. Good to be seen. I, I was conflicted earlier this week. Were you conflicted earlier this week? I, I'm i always conflicted, but go ahead. I mean, you know, we, we flew back. You and I did our, our first look show at, what, 429 a.m., went home, got a little sleep. Kathy and I wrote, drove, drove down to the coast Sunday evening and had dinner with a friend. I got up Monday morning. And I didn't know whether I wanted Urban Meyer or Chip Kelly as my new head coach. I was really conflicted. Were you conflicted Monday well, morning? I mean, Chip Kelly's far down the list. I mean, it was Urban. I think uh, the reincarnation of Vince Lombardi was on that list. I mean, there were a lot of names on the list. Was Tom Landry on that list? Here's what I want you to know, Keith. If you get hit by a bus tomorrow, I can assure you that I will not target the voice of the Gators, McHubert, to be your replacement. Man. Thank just, you. I just wanted, oh, my! I just wanted to put oh that on my. the record. Oh, my! All right. Well, these are the times we're, we're in right now. We're going to have uh, – uh, uh, we, we are going to keep the, the uh, Earl Bacon Agency hotline occupied today. Uh, Jerry Kutz from the Osceola will join us. Uh, you guys know Jerry. Jerry's always um, – well, some might say he's not the voice of reason, but I do think he's always got a reasoned perspective that generally is not what the main discourse is. And he's done it again this week related – to the quarterback situation, uh, you know, Blackman versus Hornibrook. So that'll be an interesting conversation. And our, and our good friend uh, Irish Chaffel, I thought, had a very balanced article on the the coach situation. And if you've not had an opportunity to check that out, um, you know, it's just I get so frustrated. Everybody is so worried about being first. They're not worried about being accurate. And that just drives me nuts drives me absolutely up the wall well and then there's today's society and social media which there's the first there's don't care about being accurate and then just accept it as the truth because it got tweeted and a where's times. the repercussions none where's the repercussions none none who none. says i'm sorry i got it wrong who gets fired or anything in between well nobody and, and if you do say i'm sorry that doesn't get retweeted or get nearly as much traffic as with the original so you know, you and I are not going to get into the whole speculating and all that. The football program is not where anybody wants it to be right at the moment, including Willie Taggart, including everybody associated with the football program. Uh, it is hard in the moment to look at what you're seeing and uh, and force yourself to step back and say, okay, let's think about this. Last year they got blown out every game. This year they're, uh, you know, they're in games. They're leading in the fourth quarter, save for the Clemson game. Uh, and as soon as you say, okay, that's true, then somebody else will bring up. But the schedule was much harder last year. I don't know if it if it really was. Um, so so it's hard it's hard to measure it. I do know that we focus on the quarterback and the kicker, or the guys that are on an island, maybe a DB from time to time, and you lose sight of everybody that's caught caught up in the wash, whether it's a D lineman or an O lineman or all the the hundreds of things that happen in a game that equate to not winning in the end. It's more than than just one thing, even though we try to simplify it into one answer. It was this decision. It was that throw. It was that drop. It was that kick. And that thing and only that thing. It was not a combination of anything else. Right. If you fix that one thing, everything else will be perfect. Yeah. I I just know this. It's, it's, it's a very complicated situation, uh, and there's lots of factors. Most notably, if, if you're in the camp of making a change, well, who's going to come in? 
you know, that that's kind of an important thing. And even before you get there, do you really want to get on the treadmill of let's change coaches every two years? I personally do not. I don't think that's a good way to go. I think Tennessee is a recipe for what that looks like if you start getting in there. Uh, Miami's not far behind as much as they've changed coaches over the years. Um, and, as but, bad, but that, and as bad as it is at Florida State right now, we are only in the sixth year removed from a national championship. Right. Tennessee can't stay, say that. Miami can't say that. You can pick another dozen teams. The other thing I did, I, I actually did this uh, yesterday morning when I got to the off, uh, got into the, my university office. Um, I got prepared for class. That sounds very official. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, actually, it's a cubby in the Storm Center, but that's another conversation for another day. I said, you know, what would be the one thing that I would use that that would be factual but would be a rationalization to the naysayers? It would be factual to those that think the glass is half full, and it would be a rationalization to those that think the glass is half empty. Okay? And here's what I came up with. And I don't know how accurate I am because it was about seven ten in the morning and I was still half asleep. We've already established that accuracy doesn't matter, though. Just that's get, true. Just we all, get it true. first. That's Go true. Ahead. Go ahead. The four teams that Florida State has been beaten by this year have a combined record of twenty four and four. That's a rationalization. Just saying. Yeah. No, I get your point. I think the the frustration so if we knew that this particular moment in time was gonna start bouncing back the other way people would would feel better i'm using i mean the people that are not feeling that are feeling the worst right now but it's the it's the fear of the unknown is it is it continuing to go this way and when will it change and what will make it change it's the same thing we did in the stock market crash of 87 in the bubble burst of 2000 <laughs> we do it with our investments you know when they start going down oh my gosh the whole world is coming to an end and somehow or another, they seem to kind of hit somewhere and go back up again. Can I ask you a question? We're going to talk about the quarterback situation with Jerry Kutz next segment. But I'm not saying, you know, I haven't watched the Sims kid who's com- who's signed or, or committed for next year, not signed at this point. And I know the kid at Houston who played with Bryles previously has shut it down for this year. And so that's going to be a big rumor that he's coming here. But even if it's not those two, if Florida State – Here's what I'm driving at. I'd like to see this offense with a quarterback that had mobility, whoever it was, because the quarterback that can make one guy miss, I'm not talking about Michael Vick, but if you can make one guy miss and get the first down, Blackman didn't get a key one the other night, it makes up for a lot of missed blocks, drop passes, poor play calls, uh, you know, blitzes from the other team. If you have that little bit of escapability and can do that, and we haven't seen what a mobile quarterback looks like in this offense. Well, why, why hasn't anyone, I've, I, to my knowledge, I'm the only one that's even brought this up, but we get into this conversation between James and between Alex. Where's Travis? Travis had the most outstanding spring game of any of the quarterbacks that played it. Why, why isn't he in the mix? Is he hurt? Is, is he, can he not pick up the offense? Has he been in the coach's doghouse for off the field something, you know? But why why aren't we clamoring for Travis? Because he's the best quarterback of the three of them, based on what I've seen in the last six months. That's without even getting new new blood in there. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know you you like the way he played in the spring game. I don't know what's happened. There was there was questions certainly about his eligibility right up until the eleventh hour. So he he probably didn't factor and, in and, as much to the race in August. I also understand he had a knee or an ankle problem early right. in fall camp. But my point is. No one else wants to go to that. They just want to argue between the two. Well, that's not a fair argument given the context of if you're right, and I happen to believe that you are, a mobile quarterback first. I, and, and it's not – I'm not saying you need a guy who he's a run first, pass second. I'm just saying a little escapability. It forces the defense to account for another guy that defenses aren't really having to account for now when they face FSU. And when you see other teams play – they're all doing it. I mean, Clemson's got a quarterback with an all-world arm, and they run them a lot. I mean, Jalen Hurts is is running around defenders at Oklahoma right now. I mean, it's it's not uncommon in college football to have that. The other thing that you've brought up that nobody wants to talk about because this sounds bad or it's like we're making excuses, and you, you to my knowledge, and I give you credit for it, you're the first one that I heard say it, Blackman's accuracy 
was good before he injured his knee and has been not as good since he's injured his knee. His running ability is hampered, and we saw that against Wake. Is it because of his knee? Came up short on that third down run. Tripped very easily over Cam on that th- the, the the play that uh, he, he, they got their feet uh, tangled up. Is that injury causing Blackman to not be as physically good as he was prior to? And, and it's it was it's anecdotal that I said that I didn't go back and chart it. And I his his accuracy was never great, but to me, and this was really after the Clemson game, I said that when he missed throws when he was on the run and he missed them badly, throws that he had. Uh, you know, had had either completed or been much closer previously. That's really where that comment came from. I, and you're not going to have Bryles or Coach Taggart come out and say, well, you know, James is really struggling with that left knee still. Well, They're never going to say that. Well, James might not say that. This is something that athletes get into because he knows there's another guy there. So when, when he's no, I'm asked, talking about coaches. Coaches but, aren't going to say it either. Right, but I'm saying – James may not even relay that his knees bother him. If that if that oh, was sorry. the case, I'm, I, yep, I'm saying. I yep. mean, that's an age old thing that athletes are. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And really, you're not good in there, but you're not about to admit that because you don't want the other side or the other Agreed. guy to see a chink in Agreed. your armor. That's and I'm not, folks. I'm not suggesting there's anything there. I'm just saying that that's the way that that goes. All right. So anyway, Jerry Kutz will join us uh, next segment. Our homecoming parade grand marshal uh, will join us. If you're not aware who that is, I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to wait. How's that for a tease? There you go. Madison Social, uh, longtime sponsors of the program. Uh, you know, it occurred to me that, uh, well, Halloween's coming up, Thanksgiving, Christmas. We're getting to the holiday. We're getting to the party planning time. We don't talk a lot about social catering, which is the events and catering arm of Madison Social. Uh, they do a great job. Find them online at uh, socialcateringandevents.com. There's also event space, uh, the gathering right above Madison Social, if you're looking for a place for your office party is or that whatever. Pool's still up there? That That is. That's a separate locale. Separate thing? Yes. So I shouldn't have brought that up? Well, you Matthew, can, bring it can up. you take that? You can bring it up if you like, but but you're – I don't want to give away any secrets, but you're a few decades too old to go to that location. That's all I'll say. Decades, you say? I did, I, and I am too, for the record. Okay, <laughs> we'll take a break. Uh, speaking of a few decades too old, Jerry Kutz is going to join us in our next segment. Now, there's a segue as we continue on Front Row Knowles. <laughs> Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, you know, we didn't ask for our next uh, guest's he doesn't get preferred music. He doesn't get a vote. We knew it wasn't going to be Metallica. Or a hair band from the 80s like Bob Ferrante prefers. But uh, our Osceola insider this week is uh, actually the Osceola owner and founder, Jerry Kutz, who's on the line. How are you, Jerry? Well, I thought he was. Hello, hello. Good to be here. Did you just drop the phone as I introduced you? Are we all good? Yeah. <laughs> I think that happened. <laughs> it was well, that music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Jerry. Uh, we we had you on a, a few weeks ago, and uh, you explained to our our audience why you got back in the game with the Osceola. And uh, you know, you always over the years, I feel like one of the places you carved your niche was on the inside cover of the Osceola with your little your little. We see your little photo there, and then you'd write a column that that always put things in perspective. I think for Florida State fans everywhere, and you did it. You did another one this week regarding the. The quarterback situation at FSU, and for those who haven't read it on the Osceola.com, I'll let you try to summarize it. But uh, it, it pertains to the debate of Blackman versus Hornibrook. Yeah, there's. Uh, I, I'm always amazed by how uh, people can witness a car accident. You know, like ten people can witness it and all have a different account of what happened. And uh, you know, those lawyers who are listening know that. Uh, Oftentimes, what you see is not accurate. What you hear is not accurate uh, because we all, there's a, a philosophy of psychology that we all bring our preconceived notions to every event we witness. And uh, I think that's true. I mean, 
I think uh, we all have our biases and we all have our past experiences and it, and it influences us in, in how we see the world. So the, to get to the point, I think uh, Hornibrook is the answer quarterback. And, uh, of course, Willie Taggart thinks it's James Blackman. And, you know, it's just fascinating to me how we can all see things from different perspectives. And I've had the opportunity, of course, to ask Willie and did on Monday. I kept asking him over and over questions along with other people from the media. And that's, you know, his perspective. And I've talked to other coaches on the staff that also believe that to be. They, they do think Blackman is the better choice for this team right now. And um, it's just fascinating to me. I mean, it doesn't – certainly these coaches have way more experience and knowledge than I do. And so you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. But don't you find that interesting? Um, I know you guys uh, have witnessed this in your life too, how different but we can see the same event. The thing that frustrates me, though, about today, Jerry, is that you and I can have a disagreement or you and I can disagree with Coach Taggart. And that's okay. But in today's environment, if we disagree with Coach Taggart, we're now haters. We want Coach Taggart fired. We want Bryles fired. You know, it, it's like we can't have a disagreement without it being polarizing. That's what frustrates me about dialogue today. Exactly. And you know what? I I don't think less of Willie Taggart as a coach because he sees it that way. I mean, it's just it's, it, it makes me question my lying eyes, you know, as I wrote my column. I mean, what am I not seeing that, that somebody who knows way more than I know? And but you, you know, so in my view, it's it's just a dialogue. It's not an indictment. Talking with Jerry Kutch from the Osceola, I think one of the things, Jerry, is we've seen Florida State fans have seen a longer sample of James Blackman than they have Alex Hornibrook. So, as you know, I mean, historically, the favorite player on any team is always the backup quarterback. Now, I know Alex has yeah. a long history at Wisconsin, but we've got a short history here at FSU, and what it includes is a come-from-behind win over Louisville. Uh, well, he led the team from behind after Blackman went out that game, and then a game where he started, got sacked plenty of times, but but the most convincing win Florida State has this season over NC State. Now, what we don't have is the ability to have seen Hornybrook and Blackman at practice every day, and then we also lose perspective of, you know, when you look at the weight game, so Blackman threw an interception in the red zone, but somebody missed a block, which is why he's getting hit when he threw it in the red zone, and Cam fumbled in the red zone, and there was, uh, you know, indecision on should we kick him. There's a, there's a million things you could point to, but we point to James Blackman, which goes with the quarterback. So, I mean, that's more a broad statement, and I'm just pointing other criteria out that come into the equation. You know, and I think my friend Ira Chaffel, who writes for Warchant, he made a good point in his column yesterday. It's now at that point where every time Blackman, you know, ha- gets sacked or doesn't complete a pass, it's going to be anti-Willie Taggart because, you know, he made that decision to start him. And Ira referenced back to the days when Bobby was starting Mark uh, old uh, Chris Ricks, you know, remember that? Yeah, we always thought and, Chris had naked pictures on Coach Bowden or something. Something he was hiding <laughs> in reserve that, that Bobby couldn't get past because he keep he kept going back to him. Yeah, it and it's that it really. I thought Iris' point was well made with that. With that, that people make too much of this. I think. I mean, for for me, I think Hornybrook gives this team a better chance because of the composure factor. And it's a we've been talking about this as being a emotionally fragile team. So when you get a stabilizing force and honestly, Keith, I you know you were a quarterback in high school, defensive back in college, but your quarterback kind of becomes the face of the team. And so having a stabilizing force is 
quarterback, I think, is is a benefit. And so those things, those intangibles become tangible in a close game. And that's why I took, I'm take, but I don't want to, I don't want to carry a banner that, uh, for the quarterback. I, I just made that point. And, and, uh, but you know what? It comes down to uh, players making plays. In reality, if our best player uh, doesn't fumble the ball twice, two consecutive plays, losing the second, we're probably not having this discussion. And if the receivers that we praise would catch the ball, you know, Blackman's numbers are even better, and we're not having this conversation. So, you know, I think I don't want to make too much of it. And and now I want to talk to you, Keith. I got a question for you. Fire away. The other part of my column was about, you know, that we can talk about coaching decisions, and there were several in there that were questionable. But the the players have to make plays. And I, when going into this season, I spoke to booster clubs, and I warned them we had serious questions at offensive line, and you know there was still end linebacker, and there was still some doubt at receiver, but and depth on the defensive line. But the one position I felt really good about going into the year was our secondary. That's where our four and five star players are. And what's been perplexing to me, and you're an expert, is why aren't we making plays in our secondary? You know, it's coaching when there's busted coverages. But when you've got a defensive back running with a receiver, there's a jump ball, it's a 50-50 ball, and our four- or five-star player does not deflect or come down with it, it makes me wonder what is going on. Well, well, my answer is twofold. And, and the short answer, and, and maybe our listeners won't like this, and certainly this will explain or reinforce the fact that I'm older, but it's because they're not taught to get their head back around and find the football. They are literally yeah. taught in today's environment to look at the receiver's face and look at his eyes, and when his eyes light up, to get his hands up and try to get the ball out. We were taught to get our head back around and find the football. And that's why you continue to see these kids be in position to make a play, but the receiver's looking back for the ball and the defensive back is not. I'm told I'm not there, but I'm told that's the way they are taught. If that is the case, then unfortunately that is also that is also coaching. The yes. the, the smaller part of that is 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 the willing to willingness to fight and understanding that in in that instant, it's almost like a boxing match or a wrestling match. You've got to do whatever you've got to do to win that particular battle at that particular time. And our defensive backs, right, wrong, or indifferent, are too soft in that regard. They don't take it as a personal affront. They don't take it as a one-on-one, I now have to win this. So you put those two things together – and you see receivers making plays and defensive backs not making plays. You ask me the question, that's how I answer it today. I like it. I like that answer. I mean, I'm looking and, you know, we're going to talk about uh, a kicker missing a field goal and a a 50-yard field goal in the rain as being the difference in that game. I say it's, it's a defensive back dropping an interception in the end zone on third down that leads to a field goal by Wake Forest on the next play. Now, which play is harder to make? Making the interception or kicking a 50-yard field goal in the bank? Well, the 50-yard the field goal, goal is much harder. It's much harder. The catching the ball is what we did when we were six-year-olds after church on Sunday. Part of that is recency bias, too, because the field goal was at the end of the game compared to earlier in the game, and that relates to the – the quarterback situation too. We remember the last time out. So when it was initially introduced that there was a plan to get Hornybrook in, everybody thought, okay, and then it went well. So let's do it again. And then they did it at Clemson. And it went terrible. And everybody said, that's the worst idea ever. Let's just play one guy. 
And now people aren't happy with Blackman, so the conversation is let's play the other guy. I mean, it, it's a lot of recency bias on that, too. Everybody wants Hornerbrook now. If Hornerbrook is the starter this weekend, because Willie hasn't announced it, to my knowledge, and doesn't play well, well, well guess what? That won't be the conversation next week. I agree with you guys. The thing is here, though, Keith, you, you know, Tom, I know you guys will agree with me on that. You've got to come into a ball game where every play, every play, from the first play to the last play, is the same as that field goal with, you know, 10 seconds left. I mean, when they're, they're, Every play is an opportunity for every player. You you cannot win. take a play off. And you just have to have that sense of urgency. Exactly. You and cannot take a play off. Every play has to be played like the last one that you're going to make. Exactly. Related to that, Jerry, and I don't know how much you've looked into this, but you, sense of urgency. So last week, Wake Forest, Florida State gets the lead, has momentum, again, if you believe there's such a thing as momentum as they go into the locker room, gets the ball to come out at the start of the third quarter, has not been able to put together a drive to put points at any point this year to start that third quarter, really. I guess the was it the NC State game, maybe their third or fourth try, they finally got points in the third quarter. But that's an urgency time, and we've had this a couple times. We had it in the third quarter against Boise, and, and Cam fumbled. Uh, we had it the other night. If you can make one more drive, one more score, you're gonna the the other team is is either gonna fold or be so out of their element you're gonna win the game, and they haven't been able to get there. Yeah, it's it it's those things that I think frustrate the coaches, the players, the fans, and uh, got to get over this hump. And uh, usually those drives are killed by one play. You know, somebody jumps off sides or, you know, the receiver runs the wrong route. It's, it's always something. Let me ask you, Jerry, and, and, and we can wrap up on this, and I'm not suggesting that another dynasty is the next step, but you were here as the dynasty began. W- was there a play or a moment that between 86 and 87, you know, hatched the dynasty? Or more recently, I mean, I, I think of Jimbo's era – and he pointed to, and the media scoffed at it, but he made a big deal out of the fact that FSU won an ACC championship in 2012 and an, and an Orange Bowl. And whether it was Northern Illinois or not, it was a big deal to the players to win a championship because they hadn't won it. So I'm just curious, going back to you know to the springboard of the dynasty, if there was if there was something like that yeah, along I, the way. I do. I think so. I I really felt like, and I partied like a madman after the game was over. I can tell you that. We had not beaten anybody probably since Keith played. It was 1987, and we went up and we played Auburn. And, Keith, if you think, Tom, you remember me. Back in those days, we went about since 1980 until that Auburn game in 87. We just, we just, yeah, we won some games. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. We beat. Notre Dame and Notre Dame, Ohio State, and all that kind of stuff in the early 80s. But those were in six and five seasons or seven and four seasons, whatever it was. It, it wasn't it wasn't for something big. And that game, we went to Auburn, an SEC team, and we beat, we beat Auburn up there uh, with uh, – uh, we beat them. Another big, one of those senior me, moments. That was a turning point. <laughs> that was one I think everybody said we can do this. And uh, for me, that was the big turning point. And then, if you remember, at the end of that '87 season, we're in the Fiesta Bowl, and Nebraska has the lead and getting ready to score, like in the last three minutes of the game. And Odell causes a fumble, and Eric Hayes falls on it at the two-yard line. And we're down uh, a lot. I mean, we're down like four points. Field goal won't win it. And we drove the length of the field and beat um, Nebraska on a fourth-down pass, I think, to... uh, Ronald Lewis. Ronald Lewis. Yeah, Ronald Lewis, squeak. And... uh, that was that was huge. I mean, you know, those those right then you knew something big was going to happen. 
Keith, do you agree with that? Oh, very much, very much. And and what your point is, Jerry, is somebody made a big play in a big moment. That And that was my reason for asking it. Again, I'm not suggesting that one big play leads to a dynasty, but it – I thought we started to turn this corner earlier this year by closing out Louisville, and I know it's not a great Louisville team because we had some plays made. Uh, you remember the D.J. Matthews catch, and, and obviously there was a coverage bust that, that got the ball to Tamarian, but there there was an interception by Fagan. So there were some big plays made at the right time. It just Obviously, we need more of that. I was just hoping it was trending that right direction, and now the last two weeks it doesn't seem to be. Yeah. Hey, let me throw it back to Keith on another thing here. Think about you, Keith, back when you were a freshman, I guess it was. And there were some games that, uh, in 77, uh, you know, Ron Simmons, there were some, I think there was a block punt. I mean, there were some big plays back in those days that really got the team believing. Well, none bigger than three touchdown receptions by Overbeal. said this week, we need that one play that gives your team a spark. Can you talk about what you thought turned it for you guys in 77? Well, well, two things that I remember in 77, and I was a freshman, I wasn't playing, I was watching is, you know, one of the first games that Simmons played in, he had five sacks in one game as a freshman. And you're going, that just can't happen. There's no way that happens, and he made it happen. And then, and, and then Roger Overby with those three touchdown receptions down in Florida in 77. And you just, you just knew we had the things and the pieces that if we put them together, that we, we could come out and make something really, really great happen. And in 78, 79, and 80, we did just that. And again, it goes back to, and I think you're exactly right, Jerry, players have got to make plays. And there's been some instances even in this year where where the play just didn't get made, and unless and until that happens, we're going to continue to have these conversations, most likely. Well, you know, Coach Bowden said it, it, it and and I, I, Bob Ferrante wrote about it about a month ago in the Osceola that when you take over a program, you lose big, and then the next step is you lose close. And the next step is you win close before you win big. And, you know, I'm hoping that last year, the only of all of our losses, the only one that we, we led in the fourth quarter was Miami. We got blown out in every loss last year. This year, we've only gotten blown out in one. All the other losses have been close. So if you're an optimist, which I am, you say we're a play away in each of these games, so we'd be six and one. Now, to me, the question is, what do the coaches do? And that's the point Willie made at his press conference. What do we do to help this team make those plays? And, Keith, you know the answer. I mean, Coach Bowden, they created the stress test every day at practice so that on Saturday when those opportunities came, it wasn't the first time you had been in a stressful situation. Isn't that correct? Very much so. Very much so. And so that's that's where we're at. Now remember, we wanted a young coach. We got a young coach. And, uh, you know, he's, he's learning, you know. You know. Some people say he's in over his head. Who among us, who among us hasn't been at one point? And uh, you either sink or you swim. And so now we're going to find out. Um. Jerry, I, I say think, I, I think you can close the gap if your players can make some plays. I was just going to say I sit next to Keith every week. I'm always in over my head. What's that? Never mind. It wasn't worth repeating. <laughs> it, was a, it was a shot at KJ. Jerry Kutz from the Osceola. We appreciate it as always, Jerry. Thanks a lot, guys. Enjoy enjoy your show very much. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate it. And uh, folks that know the Osceola know all about Jerry. But uh, if if you don't, I encourage you to subscribe to the Osceola. Six ninety five a month or seventy four ninety five annually. You know, I couldn't go a whole segment and just leave that alone, Keith. Yes, I know that. You know that. It's yes. been it's been a long time together. Yes, yes. So maybe you're in over your head for sitting next to me. Well, I know I'm tired for carrying you. That's for sure. We'll take a break and continue with this fine show right after this.
Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and Keith with you. It is homecoming week for Florida State as we shift our focus. We are getting set for a Syracuse game 3.30 on Saturday, and we'll return to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency ensuring your future together. And we will say hello to none other than this year's homecoming parade grand marshal, the one and only Lonnie Alameda. Coach, how are you? I am wonderful. How are you all? Great. So you've done a lot of things in your career, including winning a national championship. But have have you perfected the parade wave? The wave. Do you, you have the you wave have, down? You have the wave down. <laughs> I do not have the wave down. We were talking about the other day at, at our coaches meeting. You know, is it is it wrist wrist? Do you, you know, do you just do a high five wave like you're in a softball field, or just, you know, kind of throw out some candy and make people happy? I don't know. <laughs> well, there is a, a long list here of uh, distinguished folks from Florida State associated with athletics that have been homecoming parade grand marshal. So here you go, Lonnie. I'm going to enlighten you here. Okay. So uh, Ron Sellers, former football great. Hall of Fame member. Bill Durham, who, of course, uh, founded the Osceola uh, Renegade tradition. The 1947 football team collectively were parade grand marshals in 96. Walter Dix, Olympic uh, track star. Mickey and Diane Andrews uh, back in 09. The one and only Gene Deckerhoff. Gene probably not only rode in the parade, he probably announced it that year yeah. that he was there. <laughs> uh, Coach Bowden, Coach Martin, Sue and Leonard did this a few years ago, and Charlie Ward last year. So there's really, there's not big shoes to, to try and Not at all. Not at all. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> not at all. No, it's such an honor. And again, we were talking about this the other day. It's just uh, as a coach, any sport, you're all in. You know, you're 24-7 on the softball field and in your office and the chance to get out and celebrate being a Seminole and the Tallahassee community and, and just meet so many amazing people. So it's one to have the honor of doing it, which great people have done this before, but just the chance to go out and, and spend a Friday with true Seminoles and the Tallahassee family. I, I'm so excited. Have you ever sat in the back seat on the back part of the convertible? That becomes the question because, you know, you have to sit up on the back part. You can't sit in the seat. you got to sit in the back part. You I know. I know. Well, this would be a little bit like, uh, I guess, high school homecoming. Right? Exactly. Exactly. I was lucky to be part of that court way back in the day. So, um, yeah, that was quite fun. Um, yeah. No, as long as they can keep it at a low pace for me, I should be able to jump out at all. It should be fun. All right, we'll move the conversation on to softball, but congratulations to, to Lonnie Alameda, who is a homecoming parade grand marshal. Of course, homecoming put on by the FSU Alumni Association. Parade rolls 2 o'clock on Friday. Uh, except th- this is the segue, Coach. Is it my understanding that convertible is literally going to drive you to the field because you have a, 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 a game to complete fall ball? Is that true? <laughs> yeah, we're in our fall ball season. That, that's the grand part. It's just going to run right in here to the softball field, and I'll jump out. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully they'll slow down <laughs> yeah, maybe just a drive-by i don't know roll out and run on the field and um but yeah we play this week weekend being homecoming it's our alumni weekend also so um we're gonna have 15 20 alumni come back and uh so we play friday and sunday um and the bits of construction at our field so we've got a lot going on right here for for florida state softball the construction uh includes the shade structure or maybe that is all the construction but update us on what's going uh going in that'll be there for for next season yep uh it is a shade structure which you know is amazing for fans uh, i know our fans for a long time have not wanted to hang out in the sunshine you know with, with all the games that we have at home and so lucky to have that so now we're going to give them give them a little bit of shade with that but on the other side of it it's going to complete the stadium feel uh it's just an amazing facility that we have and being on campus and um you know, have the opportunity to um, beautiful field. I mean, just ground-wise, beautiful field. But now have the opportunity to have a stadium, the echo part of it, you know, just the loudness. We had the uh, Oklahoma State here for Super Regionals last year, and we had those tents up just because of the heat, and we had the tents up. The, the amount of noise back and forth from the stands to the field was incredible, and that's exactly what it's like at the World Series. So it gives us such a huge advantage to create a hometown atmosphere and um, and the look is just beautiful. So we're going to mirror a little bit like our um, cages. So the steel is going to look a lot like the cages. So it's going to be a, a nice, complete feel on top of just to the left of us having the baseball field. So 
um, you know, it's going to make this this little part of the the softball or the Florida State world going to be you know pretty pretty nice. Lonnie, this is probably going to sound crazy, but you know, you and I've had conversations before, so this won't be the first time I've sounded crazy to you. Yeah. <laughs> but when when they made the announcement last year that they were going to start charging admission for the softball games, I said to myself, "We're you know we finally get our program to where it needs to be." And now we're going to do something. I know we need money and everybody needs money, but gosh dang it, I don't want anything to hurt attendance at softball. And and your program was so strong that it didn't hurt attendance. No. That, that was amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Um, you know, you think of the entertainment part of it. Uh, sport is entertaining. And, you know, is it worth coming here with a family and spending $5 or $6 to come watch two hours of softball, which, you know, helps us financially, but it also you know, shows to the, the entertainment value of what you're trying to do. And it's crazy in today's day and age that sometimes when you offer things for free, people don't think there's value in it, which is bananas, right? But you put a ticket price on it, all of a sudden you have tickets, you feel like you're going to come and you're going to come support the event. So we've gone back and forth. Uh, Coach McCorney and I both have gone back and forth on this thought of, charging or you know what do we want to do but i'll tell you on the other side we're one of the last schools to actually charge for admission so it was really hard because when we go places or we contract you know we're contracting to try to get tickets there but we couldn't give them anything here because there was no tickets to give so um it's kind of gotten to the national scene of the opportunity to be the same as what everybody else does for our contracts and our conversations is all the same across the board Coach, what team is this for you? What number? Oh, this is 37. 37. Yeah, yeah. Well, 12 for me, but you know, 37 overall. And, um, you know, having Coach Graff here a ton and supporting us, I do feel like I'm a little part of her time and trying to, to continue on the tradition. So it's kind of cool that so many alumni come back and share their stories. So, you know, you feel really tied into you know, the previous years that uh, keep coming back and celebrating and, and honoring the jersey. So I know if we talk to you in June, you can give me the answer of what Team 37 was. But what do you think right now as you go into the full year it can and will be? Um, we're young. So that's the, the cool thing is every day we get out here, we're growing. We had six freshmen on the field last night when we played Chipola. So six true freshmen, well, five, one, and Kirsten Landers, who tore ACL last year's back, so she's a redshirt freshman. But so you can imagine um, having new kids in um, key spots, right? Shortstop, um, second base, uh, pitching, uh, a freshman behind the plate. There's a lot of growth happening every single time with the experiences they're getting. So in June, uh, I think it's going to be a, a lively well-experienced group. Our first month in February, uh, we're playing, I think, seven teams in the top 10 from last year. So, you know, we're going to face All-American after All-American. So these kids are going to grow quite a bit from the the battle-tested mindset they're going to get in February and we go into the ACC. But definitely a young group, very athletic group, um, an all-in group. Uh, they, they have been doing everything that's been asked of them, and that's, that's really great to see. Coach, we look forward to uh, what what we can expect in the spring. But uh, more than that, we look forward to seeing that parade wave on Friday yeah. uh, going down College <laughs> Avenue. We will critique you, you. We will critique you next week. So make sure you tune in. <laughs> you got it. Well, I'm hoping to give some high fives, you know, as we go along the way, because I know there's a lot of people that are talking about, you know, that they're going to be out there. So I look forward to seeing you guys. What an honor, and uh, just just loving the the fall ball season for us right now. Congratulations to you, Coach. Enjoy it, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, as always, for your time. Thank you. Take care. Go Knowles. Go Knowles. Lonnie Alameda, FSU softball coach, national champion coach, and now parade grand marshal. She's got to update that resume, right? The the, the ladies are just fun to watch. Uh, We've talked about that, the growth of women's uh, sports in general, but softball in particular, and how fan – how television viewing friendly it is because of the pace, the length of the game, the quickness of the game. Uh, it's it's uh, rise is continuing to be a little bit mediocre. Yeah, that word, and I'm happy for it. So if she does actually update her resume to include homecoming parade grand marshal, how far into the resume does that bullet go? Well, that's probably right after being in the homecoming court in high school, wouldn't you think? So it's like the bottom of page four. 
Well, Whereas first three, of all, first of all, if you have a four page resume, you're not getting hired. But beside the point, well, I work in higher ed, so there's lots of people that like that. That's ten and twenty page. That's resume. a CV. That's not I a resume. Understand. My point was that if it was you or I, it'd be our first bullet. That would well, be point. right underneath my address. Yes, that's what I'm. That, that was the point. <laughs> Regardless of how long it would be. All right, we'll come back with more front row knolls right after this. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. We are back on Front Row Knowles. Thanks to Lonnie Alameda for joining us. Uh, Is she always in a good mood? I don't know, but she always puts me in a good mood. I've, I've run into her at the elevator at the Moore Center, obviously out by her, by the, the, the softball field. Uh, my, she's just a delightful person and a great, I mean, a great softball coach. We, we've lost, uh, well, maybe we haven't lost sight of it. Softball fans know, but re, uh, when they won their national title, that was what was so uh, maybe refreshing or eye-opening, if you don't watch a lot, was how much fun they had playing Yes, and still do. Yeah. You can do that. They they they're, they're not mutually exclusive. How about that? You know what I don't have fun doing, Keith. What's that? Do it yourself projects because they usually turn out wrong. Well, you know, if you would go to Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, it'd be your location for all your tool needs. Put it's, it on a tee, let them swing. It's where all the pros and do-it-yourself workers shop. Big box pricing with local service. Two locations to choose from. 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Tallahassee location is open Saturdays from 8 a.m. to noon. Now, let's see, we kick at 3.30, so we'll be on the air at 12.30. So you better go early at 8 o'clock and get your shopping done, get back and finish. Really early because Nolan has a football game that morning, too. There you go. Hey, I want to do something completely different, Keith. That'll be a change. Let's not talk about football. Let's go to another. Let's go. Let's go to an, an, a round ball as opposed to an oblong ball. I agree, and it, apologies to Leonard and, and Stan and company that we didn't bring this up uh, earlier in the show. Uh, full disclosure: I was not in attendance last night. Full disclosure: I was. That, that's par for the course. He carried me once again. What did you see in said basketball exhibition? I saw athletic kids. I saw probably two starters in blue jeans on the sideline, although Coach said after the game that uh, Vassell probably could have played if it had been a real game, but he and MJ were were sitting. And yet I saw them put up 90 points. Uh, They shot 50% from the field. Uh, They did have some turnovers. And part of the reason they have turnovers is they don't understand how fast each other is. <laughs> I mean, this is an unbelievably athletic team. Uh, the big guy in the middle, which I don't have his name down, um, Olchek, or uh, the big guy in yeah, the middle, uh, was a perfect five for five from the floor, uh, 10 points, I think had five rebounds. Looks the part. You know, he doesn't look like the tall, slender guy. He he he's broad shouldered. He's seven foot tall. He can run. Uh, he plays with a great deal of passion. Uh, I thought Trent Forrest. You know, it was great seeing him play for the first time without being handicapped with that toe. Um, they look really good. Now, obviously, they're playing a lesser opponent. It's the first game. It's an exhibition game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I am unbelievably excited about what Leonard has put together in terms of the kids. Uh, it's going to be a fun group to watch and our listeners and everyone else. You need to get out there for home games and support them and make the Tucker Center a, a place that uh, opponents don't like coming. Well, they've already established that. I mean, it's the best home record in in the country over the last three years, I think. The next exhibition game, by the way, is the Friday night before the Miami game. So uh, if you're listening and you're rolling into town for that weekend or just in general, it's a Friday night. There's not a lot of Friday night hoops games, so that's a chance to get out there with the kids or with the family if you want to see them play. I saw uh, on social media uh, that apparently Pat Williams (laughs) – can elevate a little bit. Was that uh, the consensus from those in attendance? Uh, he can jump out of the gym. Yeah, he can jump out of the gym. Yeah, uh, he and he's and normally you look at a guy that's six three and six four can do that, but I think he's what six 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 seven. You know, it's been a while since we've had a big guy or a medium sized guy that can jump like that. Um, it, 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 I was impressed uh, as uh, one of my favorite. Favorite things, uh, when Jimbo first became the head coach at Florida State, replacing Coach Bowden, 
Coach Gladden, uh, Jim Gladden, former defensive line coach, and and Gene McDowell, former linebackers coach, went out there and they were walking around and 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 supposedly I didn't hear the conversation, but Gladden related it to me later. Gene looked over and says, "Jim, what do you think?" And Jim looked over and says, "They look good on the hoof." <laughs> <laughs> that basketball team looked good on the hoof. They've got some athletes. Jim has one of the all-time great lines that we'll go ahead and repeat now. He recruited uh, many guys, and he I don't know what his territory was, but it must have been South Georgia and basically the sticks. He recruited a lot of the sticks. He probably recruited he you. Recruited back. Me. Exactly. <laughs> he recruited me. Exactly. He recruited you back in the day. I he recruited that. me. There's no question. He's the reason I am at Florida State and the reason I live in Tallahassee. But he said, I, he, he, he once told me, and he's told many people, and maybe this is a common saying. I've only heard it from him. He said, I, you know, I was driving through this uh, Poke and Plum town, I said, poke in plum town? He said, yeah, you poke your head out the car, you're plum out of town. And that, is a, that is a Jim Gladden term. That is a Coach that, Gladden. Yeah. All right. So uh, we got a couple minutes left. Do we want to go back to football? Do we want to just uh, – Well, I think I think what, what I would, would say – Would you like to talk about anything else? No, I want to talk about football. Okay. What I would say, and, and I'm guilty of it as well, you and I were on the plane coming back from Wake and going, this this just can't be. This is just horrible. No way this can be. You can't lose a ball game like this. So, therefore, 99, 999, 9,999 reasons why. And we you, we were sitting there. You and I were not talking to each other, but I know both of us were thinking in our mind, well, we can't do this. We can't do that. We can't do the other. You get 48 hours, 72 hours removed. I, I was sleeping. I don't well, know. No, I, you were there eating potato chips. Anyway, that's, that's a factual statement. That might be the only factual statement that's been uttered on this show today, but go ahead. But the reality is, the reality is Florida State has made progress. We are not getting beat this year the way we got beat last year. As Jerry pointed out, uh, the games are close. We can fault a player or a play in each of those games. Doesn't make us feel any better. Doesn't make us think that we have arrived because we will not think we have arrived until we get another national championship. That's the way a program with three national championships on on their banner in the stadium thinks and the way Florida State should think. But are there things that need to be addressed, things that need to be corrected? There always are. There always are. There's things Willie needs to do differently. There's things Willie probably needs to do both in terms of who is on his staff and how he manages his staff. Those are tweaks and things that, that would occur if you were six and one, just like when you're sitting three and four. The the magnitude and the and the focus gets so much greater because you're three and four and not six and one, because the reality is you've got to win football games period, the end. Everything else, while significant, is not important. Unless and until we win football games, we will continue to have this conversation. And we have this conversation each and every week, 6 o'clock here on uh, Wednesdays. Also do our First Look show, which airs uh, 9 a.m. Mondays and uh, 9 a.m. Sundays, rather, and 6 o'clock on Mondays. I'm confused. I'm confusing myself. But that's the end of the show, period, the end. Let's go beat Syracuse. Sounds like a plan. There you go. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah.